0: Man, I'll tell you, isn't that a powerful piece? Uh, when you think about judgment, we're talking. How could you judge somebody when you look at them and you see those eyes peering, right? It just it really moved me to this service for some reason. I saw it the last service, but just to to look in the, into the faces of each one of those people, so diverse, so different. Every every one of them with a unique story. None of us know, right? But a valuable person created by God. Uh, in their own right. just It was incredible to watch. I remember the first time when I became aware of this whole issue of judgmentalism. Um, I was about nine years old. And I was just talking to my mom one day. And I just said, so where does Annie L go to church? And Annie L was my mom's oldest sister, Aunt Elner. We call we all called her Annie L. Uh, and she said, well, Annie L doesn't go to church. And I, I said, well, why not? everybody, we, we went to church. Everybody went to church. I was nine years old. She said, well, Mark, she said the first time she went when she was a young woman, she went to church and she showed up. And instead of being greeted with kindness and uh, care, uh, some of the women at the church kind of like snickered at her. And then she found out later that that week that they were gossiping about her because of what she had wore and who she was. And she said, and your aunt made a vow on that day that she would never, ever set foot in a church service for the rest of her life. And as far as I know, she never did. She passed away last year in her 90s. And I remember I was like, Are we going to church? Am I a hypocrite? <laughs> what? Because she, she just said church is full of hypocrites. She's not, she's not going to be a part of it. And it was so disturbing. Part of me was I was really angry at those women for doing that to her. Part of it, I, I wondered why, to, why would they do that in a church? You know, I was trying to figure those out as a nine-year-old. Well, apparently, Annie L's not alone, right? So there was a survey done back in 2007, and a guy published a book that we actually did a series on called "UnChristian," was the name of this book. Some of you remember that. A few years ago, we did this. And in that study, he looked at 16-year-olds to 29-year-olds, and basically he was surveying what they thought about Christians, right? 87% of them said that Christians are judgmental. 85% of them said they're hypocritical. Wow! What a sober indictment on the church, right? And I and I I don't think any of us are sitting here going, can't believe that (laughs) it's so sad but i you've seen it i've seen it i've been I've, i've watched it happen it's a big deal so if that is the overwhelming consensus of our culture and the young people in our culture i think it's really really important that we understand the meaning of what jesus said when he said these words look on the screen do not judge and you will not be judged he said in luke okay so here's what's key to understand, is there are really a couple different meanings for the word judge. One of the meanings, it just, it's, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's going to be to discern, to make a judgment. Discern what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. Okay? That's not the kind of judging that Jesus is talking about. Okay? Because he, we are supposed to do that right? That just makes sense. We're supposed to be people of wisdom that can look at things and go, yeah, that ain't right. Or that person, I'm not following that guy, right? Because that just feels weird. Discernment is important and it's right. And we're commanded to discern. But this, but that's judgment and discerning is one thing, okay? But this is where it gets a little tricky. Let me Let me read what Uh, I read a really interesting article in Christianity Today, and the guy wrote this. He said, this is often what gets Christians into hot water, though, right? So us making judgments. Well, you're not supposed to do this. You shouldn't do that, okay? Uh, In our uber-tolerant and increasingly diverse culture, and you know this tolerance thing is that's king, right? Tolerance is king. So when a Christian labels something as wrong... Or evil, they often get pounced upon as being judgmental and out of step with Jesus. Sometimes that's true. It is. And it's ugly. We've seen it. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But very often, the accusation is the result of a culture that no longer understands the difference between discernment and condemnation. And this is where the two different meanings come in. So one theologian describes it this way. Judgment is an ambiguous word. He says, in Greek, as in English, it may mean exercising a proper discernment. There's that word again. Or, it may mean sitting in judgment on people. So, sitting above people, on people, or even condemning them. That's the kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about when he says, do not judge. Okay. do not judge. Here's another verse that says the same thing. Okay, it's it's in Scripture also. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. And then the sentence continues. It says, do not condemn and you will not be condemned. This is what Jesus is saying. Do not condemn people. Okay. when we condemn somebody, what we're doing is we're saying that inherently I'm better than you. I'm not condemning a point of view or an opinion, right? Well, I'm condemning your person. I'm saying you're less than. You have less value than me. And that gets very, very, very dangerous. If you remember in our bias series we did just a few weeks ago, we talked about how in Nazi Germany, right before the Holocaust, they started a propaganda scheme that started blasting over loudspeakers all over, right, in Germany, that Jews were rats, and vermin, and dogs, and they called their women whores. Why did they do that? Because if they could get us to think that they're really not people, but they're just a thing, it's a lot easier to kill a rat than a person. And ultimately, when we judge people, we take their humanity and throw it out and replace it with a label. And they become an it Instead of a person does that make sense? That's the kind of judgment that jesus is saying do not do be careful The other part of judgment that is almost connected to this almost always is that people judge So that they can feel better about themselves So if I point something out to you and I lower your value as a human being, what does it do for me? It brings me up here. I got to tell you man have any of you guys listened to talk sports talk radio, or how about the political radio deal—liberal, conservative? I mean, if people disagree with my opinion, you're an idiot. <laughs> 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 it is true. Thanks, Scott. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, but I mean, isn't it true? Or I just—I listen to sports radio sometimes, and I go, I just want to go see dude can you hear yourself i mean who are you (laughs) right but that's our culture instead of just saying i disagree with your opinion i take a value i judge you so that you fall below me as a human being very very dangerous that makes sense this is what matthew records jesus saying and this is where we got our title i said we paraphrased why do you judge judge Jesus didn't actually say, why do you judge? But he did say this, and this is where we got it from. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So Jesus is saying, look. Let's just be honest here. Don't don't judge, because if you do, now you just put yourself under the same value system. So be careful, okay? And he goes, Why why are you picking at something and somebody else when well if you just took a look inside, okay, this is what I, I, I found this out in my barn, so I brought he's like, Why why pick at a piece of sawdust when hey Jesus is saying, See this right here? This is what you got going on. It's right here. So what's up? Look at the verse continues. Let me try to read it here. It says, uh, where am I? How can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. There it is. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to read the rest of the, no, see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What a great picture. Jesus saying. Now I got to tell you. If any of you think you'd like to speak. Sometimes at Kensington. It comes with a cost. I just want to say this. Because when you, when you are going to teach something. Out of the word. And you start looking at it. You kind of have to do what Jesus is talking about. You end up kind of looking at your own heart. And that was me. I, I was just listening to this message. And all of a sudden I'm like. Uh oh. I could. I found a couple of these guys in my own life. And it was heartbreaking. You know, I, for some of you, you guys kind of know what's going on, a lot of you. And I don't want to bore you too much, but I've been missing and people are wondering what's going on. So I had back surgery a little over a year ago. Uh, this summer, my back started hurting again. And so I'm like, what is going on? Went and got an MRI done. And when it came back, right in the kind of the same spot where the surgery was, it was all white. And when I showed it to the surgeons, they go, uh, you need to go to emergency room. I said, okay, should I, like sometimes this week? No, like right now. So i like, what? Oh, okay. So I <laughs> go to Beaumont, Troy, and they found out that I had an infection in my spine. And I uh, end up spending five days in the hospital. Uh, because they were nervous until they got the antibiotics figured out. And so now I have a little pick line in my arm, and I get to do antibiotics one time a day intravenously for six weeks, only six weeks, Uh, because they're going to try to make sure they get rid of this thing. Well, and I'm sharing this only because what I've realized, though, this has been a just, we all have seasons, and a lot of you are a lot worse than mine. I know know you. Uh, So that's not, this is not a pity party. But what I've noticed, what the Lord was saying to me is, Mark, you got to be really careful. Because one of the things i 'm doing it wasn't it 's not a judging thing, but one of the things i 've noticed this blind spot in my life is i 've really hated being weak it 's been uh, it 's been embarrassing to me um, it 's hard when you guys get out you know I love you and you 're so concerned, but it 's hard when you and hey, how you doing so I go i'm fine you know i'm fine. <laughs> But I've realized the big part that I've realized that the Lord was showing me is I've started to become kind of um, uh, I've turned in. I've gotten pretty grumpy and uh, I have not been like initiating like conversations with people. I've just kind of pulled back. So a lot of you that are my closer friends, you're like, hello. Yeah, where are you? You know, and that was just part of as I just went through this lesson for me as I'm speaking. And, hey, don't judge and do this. And the Lord would say, hey well, let's look inside your life. little bit Mr. Nelson and as I'm speaking and I'm preaching I just want you to know from my angle um I got stuff in my life that's broken and it's ugly and I'm frustrated with it and it's embarrassing to tell you about it but we all have this so here's here's what I think Jesus one of the things he's pointing out is it's really important for us to be honest about the only person that we're actually responsible for. It's us. And yet, for some reason, in our insecurities, to prove to ourselves most of the time that we're okay, we take a shot at somebody else, or a people group, or whoever, somebody at the office, or a brother or sister, or a mom and dad, and we judge them, a husband, a wife, so that we can prove to ourselves that we're a step above. Do you see what I'm saying? So Jesus is saying to us, don't take a look at the little speck in your brother or your sister's eye until you've looked inside first. And so I just want to throw this up here. Judge yourself first. Judge yourself first. Judge, remember, the first definition, proper discernment of right and wrong, being honest of what's really going in our hearts is a good thing. It's a God-given mandate, and it's important for us to do. But do it here. Do the homework here. Don't skip this and start throwing other people under the bus. That's what Jesus is saying at the heart of this. Let me take another angle on this whole judgment thing. It is tricky, isn't it? When there's things as a follower of Jesus that God does this miraculous change in our lives... You just saw Roma's story. We show you stories by the hundreds all the time, right, of how God has come in. And he takes a paradigm that we're living in with and he goes, no, no, no. You were made for better than this. That addiction, that habit, that mean-spiritedness, that pride, arrogance, you got whatever it is, right? The brokenness, the bad choices. He going, look, I'm going to help you change that. I'm going to pull you out and make you something beautiful. And so he gives us guidelines. He goes, yeah, don't do that anymore. But when a Christian says that, like I mentioned earlier, oftentimes people see that as being what? Judgmental. So how do we speak truth in a way that isn't received the judgment? In our culture, it's going to be pretty tough. I'll just tell you that, period, right? It's going to be hard. But here's, I think, something that could really help you. We've shown you this before in a little different context. I'm going to put a matrix up on the the, uh, screen for you. And we're going to call this Truth and Grace. Let me read you a scripture that talks about who Jesus was. Okay? It's, giving, it's, it's a peek into his character. And I love this about him. This is what it says. The Word, that's another name for Jesus, the Word became flesh, talking about when he was born on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, his otherness, his perfection, right? The glory of the one and only Son... That came from the Father, listen to this now, full of grace and truth. Listen to those two words, grace and truth. Now, here's what I want to show you. Grace, okay, they seem like at opposite ends of the spectrum, and they kind of are. But it says Jesus is full of both, 100% both, not 50 this, 50 that, he's 100% both. You could say grace would be like, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Right? That's some, that would be a grace statement. Truth might say, I'm going to hold you accountable. Both good. Different. Grace might say, you're amazing. I mean, I'm telling you, you are an amazing person. Truth may say, and you're broken. There's a broken part in here. It's not work. It's not, not your best. You're amazing, grace. Truth, but there's a broken part, right? I love you. No matter what, all in, unconditional, forever. I love you forever. Truth says, but change is possible and it's critical for you. You can do it. You see that? Let me show you this, this little grid. If we do uh, high grace and low grace as this uh, kind of vertical and the horizontal being truth and high truth, let's just look at uh, the different quadrants. Okay, of these. And so first one would be low grace and low truth. Well, what's that look like? I mean, low grace means, right, there's no encouragement. It's like not unconditional love. Uh, there's no speaking of a of, of, of future and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Grace. Low grace, low truth. Nobody talking to you about challenge. Nobody holding you accountable. Nobody encouraging you to be better, right? None of that happening either. okay. And quite frankly, in that quadrant, you just feel what? Ignored, unloved. It's like, yeah, I don't give you... You know what that says? I don't really have the time to even... Whatever. Have a good life. Unloved. Okay? Now, if we move to high grace and low truth. High grace and low truth. So now you've got lots of encouragement. Maybe unconditional love celebrating you always have you know all that kind of stuff but really not saying any truth it's like well you know what i'm just kind of yeah you know what i don't want hurt his feelings and if i say that geez you know I, mean, I don't know what he's gonna do right that can be an enabling thing and a lot of us in this room have experienced this in our family relationships it happens all the time i mean all right You've got somebody that's really struggling. It could be like an addiction, for example. That's kind of an easy one to look at. It could be something that's really, really damaging. Everybody knows it. You know it. But nobody's going to say anything. It becomes an enabling thing. Okay? Let's look at this next quadrant. Low grace and high truth. Low grace. So again, not much encouragement, not much love, but a lot of pointing stuff out. You know what? You did it again? Seriously? Boom. Come on, man. Boom. Truth. Constant picking. And that's where we start to feel judged. In this quadrant. And this is what Jesus is alluding to. Somebody that's pointing out stuff, pointing out stuff. No relationship involved. No love. I don't even know the person. But I'm tearing them down. That's what I thought was so powerful about that video watch. Did any of you guys know any of those people in that video? I didn't. I don't think I knew one person in the video. I did. I knew one. I just remembered one. But the amount of, the thought of like tearing somebody down, you don't even know, but that's what we do. That's the judgment quadrant. But when you get into high grace and high truth, this is where life really starts to happen. This is where the definition of love can really, really happen. One of my uh, great examples, I I remember reading from Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. And I've shared this with you before, but it was really profound to me. Because he was pointing out what a healthy relationship looks like in a marriage. And he was saying, in a marriage, if you are unaware or don't talk freely about your spouse's weaknesses, he goes, you're not even in the game. You're not even in the game. You're just kind of pretending. You're like playing out on the safe part because... It's that enabling thing. Oh, I'm too afraid, too risky. But the great part, see, about talking about your spouse's weaknesses in a love relationship is that you're doing it so that your spouse can be what they were created to be. Tim says that's the goal of a marriage, is that your partner is helping you become everything God intended you to be, and you're doing the same for them. You have their best interest in mind. The only reason I'm pointing this out to you And I do it kindly and lovingly is because, man, I can see you being something amazing. I know what you are. I believe in that, right? So when we talk about this word judgment, there's this discernment side, which is a good thing. The condemning part, where I condemn you and say, yeah, you're worthless or less than human or whatever. That is not cool. Let me give you another angle on the judgment thing. Listen to this verse by Paul. I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit there. Donnie, I'm just going to do the verse first. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Whoa! I think the whole Christian church has missed this verse. Why? Why? would the world hate the church almost more than anybody else if the church was not judging them? Do you see that? There is a huge mistake here. Okay? Where the church has found it their job to be pointing out all the bad things that people outside of the church are doing. Getting all in a tizzy and you know, backbiting and you know. And I'm just telling you, Jesus Paul's saying right here, don't judge those on the outside we're called to judge those on the inside christians are never called to judge slash discern i'm talking the good kind of judgment outsiders they aren't even bought into this game they may not even know who jesus is they haven't signed up they haven't had that transformational power they're not looking at his scriptures as truth they're completely outside of this let me give you a great example. And I, again, I think I've shared this with some of you before, but uh, I'll never forget this story. Bill Hybels, who's a pastor of a large church in Chicago, when he was, uh, got a sailboat, got a big sailboat, and he was going to race it, and he, he went ahead and picked his crew, and he picked all his buddies from work, a lot of the guys that worked on staff with him. He's super excited. And he felt like God kind of prompted him one night, when he were just sitting there at home, and he's like, hey, Bill, what the heck are you doing? I thought we were for the one. Like for people that didn't know Christ, and what are you doing? Creating a little holy huddle. That's what he said. God said, "You're getting a little, little holy huddle on your boat." And Bill's like, "Oop, oh, sorry, <laughs> my bad." So he calls up all his buddies. Hey, yeah, not really. Just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to do that racing thing. And Bill goes out to his other buddies. They're not believers. They have, they're not following Jesus. They're not sure where they find that in their faith. And he said, "Hey, man, you guys want to come and let's race." And so he got a crew, six or seven guys, I don't know how many. First day they go to their first race, the guys come out and they all got coolers. They had a lot of stuff to drink in those coolers. And they're talking like sailors, you know. And Bill's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I'm Bill Hybels, I'm a pastor. Well, a boat that was going to be in the race, some guys in it being super cocky, came by too close, almost hit them and sprayed water up on the side of their boat. And these guys unloaded, Bill's guys you Blake and, Blake, I name and Bill was like, what have what I done? And he said, he felt God speak to him so clearly in that moment. He said, don't you dare worry about behavior modification. Your job is to love these guys. I'll take care of the rest. I, that has been so helpful to me. So helpful to me. Don't worry about their behavior. I didn't call you to clean them up called you to love them, get to know their families, get to be involved with their kids, encourage them, give them what they need. I'll take care of that behavior part, Bill. And I thought about my mom. That's who she was. That's who she modeled to me. I watched her do it with her brothers and sisters. I watched her do it my whole life, how she loved people she didn't agree with and support. that. Christians are never called to judge, discern outsiders. Now, here's another statement I want you to think, and I hope you'll remember this one. Super easy, but it's been huge for me in the last few years. Be free to love. Be free to love. I think as Christians, a lot of times we hold back because we're trying to be good Christians. We're like, well, I don't know if I should, if I step out and really get connected with this guy, aren't people going to... Some of it's like, what are people going to think? Who cares? Seriously, who cares? And the second part of it is, can I really love a person that is doing something that the scripture or that Jesus would teach is just harmful and so forth? Of course you can. Be free to love them. And not just like politely, like this. Grab them. Hug them. Love them. Get involved in their lives. Be free to love Don't let the enemy tell us we have to pull back and point out all the ways that we're different. God will take care of that in his time. Isn't he doing that with you and me? How patient is he with your log in your eye? Come on, answer me. Has he been patient with you about the log in your eye? I can't believe how patient he is. Seriously. Do you know what scripture says about God? It says it is his kindness... That leads us to repentance. That draws us to him. It's his kindness. It's not his judgment. It's his kindness. And Jesus is inviting us to live that same way. I don't know about you. This is a, this is a great message. How many of you, raise your hand, if you've ever felt conflicted, like, I'm not sure if I can really love... As a, anybody ever felt that? Raise your hand. Be free. Love, 100%. God will take care of them. Your job is to love them. Now, here's the thing. As you move in relationship with people, and in this context of following Jesus, and people begin to follow Jesus, and you're moving in relationship, you're getting closer to each other, then it's appropriate to judge, discern judge. Right? Right? It'd be weird if you had a friend and it's like something's killing him and you're like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. Wouldn't you step in and help the guy? Because you love him, because you're in a relationship. Husbands and wives, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me and Callie, man. We've struggled to be honest. I don't like, you know, telling Callie she did something wrong and then, woo, or vice versa. Believe me, I haven't responded so great when she's challenged, but I want to get better at that because that's the way it's supposed to be. That's when it's really great. High what? Grace? And how much truth? High truth. See, that's beautiful in loving relationship. But never, and I want to end with this statement, Christians are never called to judgment. That's a condemning kind. That says you're less than me. But how free can we be to love people and enjoy people of every kind? of every opinion. You know what I'm really hoping for Clarkston? I really hope, because I haven't seen it happen very many places. I'm hoping this will be a place where we can completely disagree on like really important stuff and still hang. Because you can't do that. See, in this world, it says I can't, I can't disagree and hang. i got to disagree and call you an idiot and hate you. Wouldn't that be great? To really disagree? Because I'm not going to agree with everything. you, And you're not going to agree with everything with me. But what if we could love each other and still disagree? We're going to take communion to end our service. And I love this. And I'll tell you why. And ushers, you can go ahead and come on down and begin to pass out the bread right now. And we'll sing a song. We'll just hold that bread and we'll take it together. There's a verse that we all know. We taught about it. A couple weeks ago, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in or puts their trust in him will have everlasting life, right? John three seventeen. Very next verse. It says, For the Father did not send the Son to, what? Condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you hear that? Even Jesus, perfect God, did not come to the world to condemn you or to put you under him. He went below us and gave his very life for us. Isn't that amazing? And so communion, we're going to remember this amazing gift of his life that he gave for us.